0: Education is supposed to be a partnership between the parents and the school to educate the child. It is the parent's responsibility to make sure the child's educated. The kids that I see that are the most successful are the ones who have parents who are involved.
1: episode of the apt cast where iron sharpens iron and we poke each other with the pointy ends i'm your host wes joined today with my fine co-host casey hill how's it going casey
0: it's going good man hey i i can't help but smile every time you say that tagline (laughs) it's just some funny (laughs) stuff i think
1: that was your contribution uh to, to our show wasn't it
0: Oh, I, you know, I I think I may have said that that's a good idea for it. I don't think I came up with it. I'm not that clever. Oh man! Well, uh,
1: if nothing else, it's good to have you uh, back with us. It's it's been a few weeks. I know you've been going through some similar uh, housing uh, rearrangements, just like Alex has, and unfortunately, he's not able to to be with us. But uh, it looks like you're comfy sitting somewhere. So that's, that's oh cool. yeah. So-
0: Sitting on the in-laws back porch, they got closed in in a nice comfy chair. It's, it's a good life, man.
1: Yeah. Anytime you've got an enclosed back porch, things could be worse.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we've been, you know, this summer, because, you know, we helped Alex move. Uh, and I was also in the process of helping my mom move. Um, so one weekend I was lifting and toting for Alex. And the next week I'm lifting and toting for my mom. In a couple of months I'll be lifting and toting for myself. You know, so it's it's a, a mad, mad world right now, moving around everywhere.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't see how you do it, man. At your age,
0: goodness. I'll tell you what. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a lot of ibuprofen, dude. Yeah, it is. <laughs> good old vitamin I. Uh,
1: that's right. That's vitamin I. Wow. Well, good deal, good deal. Before we get into today's show, um, need to shout out some, some new likes um, since we've been together. Uh, we've got Michael Hill, Justin Barrett, Amanda Willis, Sarah Marshall DeRusio, Ed Hayes, Joylyn Cartrell, Diana Isom, uh, Henry Augustin de Geneva. I wonder if he's a Calvinist. Just <laughs> Geneva and Augustin in the same name. Uh, Ken Tate, our guest from last week. Uh, so just like Kemp, had him on the show, then he liked the page. That's the way we do it around here. And uh, last but not least, Dylan, Dwayne, Kelly. Thank you all for liking the page. Hit us up at facebook.com slash aptpodcast. Throw a like. Send us a message. Let us know what you think. Uh, Any topic suggestions, guest suggestions. We'll take it all. We love feedback from the listeners. So that's the opening spiel, Casey. I almost called you Alex for a second. Good (laughs)
0: grief. I missed that guy. Don't get that confused. (laughs) Nah, no, man, you know, <laughs> been called missing, worse, right? Uh, well, yeah, I guess you could say that.
1: <laughs> so uh, last time you were on, we were talking or actually, no, the first time you were on, rather, we talked uh, about closing out the semester uh, amidst uh, the, the whole coronavirus growth and spread and, you know, the, the birth of the pandemic uh, in our area. And now we find ourselves in the unique situation of getting ready to start a new school year when we haven't had the the, uh, summer drop-off that uh, a lot of us hoped and and maybe expected uh, and looking at possibly a second wave and really just lots of questions, but specifically around schools, like how's that going to work, right? We find ourselves both as parents trying to figure this out and uh, as a teacher – what, what can you tell us about what to expect uh, this fall?
0: <laughs> Not much. <laughs> no, i tell you what, man. You know, we, we've been, and I'm officially back at work. I'm, I'm one of those teachers that had to come back early. And, uh, you know, we get different stuff every single day. You know, so this is going to happen. No way. We can't do that, so yeah. we're going to do this. And, you know, waiting on uh, the state superintendent to come up with a plan and then the, the superintendent of our district to come up with a plan and then, You know, um, as a matter of fact, tomorrow, all of the uh, principals in our county have to uh, submit their plan to the superintendent. Superintendent doesn't have a plan yet. I think what they're going to wind up doing is uh, taking the best ideas out of what the individual schools submit and then, you know, putting that out. But who knows? Uh, Right now, all we know is school's going to open uh, there, you know, you can, you can come on in or you can, uh, join online. Um, we also have option where you can, it, it's almost like a homeschool idea where you can do your own, uh, it, it's the, the virtual options, what they're calling it, but you can kind of do your own curriculum. Yeah. Uh, but if you choose that, then you, you can't come back until, you know, second semester or something like that. Um. If you choose the the, I'm okay the hybrid, with that. yeah, you know, I mean, that's you know, there's and there's a lot of stuff that goes in with that as well because there's that one in particular is not taught by our county teachers. That is a different group that we've hired. Uh, so the, those kids that enroll in that particular um, that particular track won't count on our numbers. so here's the problem if they're not counted on our numbers our numbers go down they allot teacher units according to school population so our teacher units go down those kids come back next year we're back up to the population and now we're overcrowded so you know there's there's that that situation that we could be facing too and nobody knows you know how that's going to work out if the the state's going to you know change something in the policies about Teacher allotments or whatever I you know I have no idea. Um, so there's you know there's that. Uh, then you got the kids that are are going to do the hybrid program where they might do a lot of their core classes online, but then if they take choir, band, art, you know those kind of things, they'll come for that. Um, you know I mean there's you know that's that's the basic stuff that we've been looking at right now. Um, so for our district, they have until the beginning of August to, for the, the parents to tell us what they want to do. And I think that's really when things are going to start coming down. and We, we actually start making plans that, that are concrete yeah. and we can really look at. Of course, with our district, you know, we don't start to the end of August now anyway. Um, so if we have from the beginning of August all the way to, you know, the last week of August before kids arrive, then, uh, you know, we have plenty of time to make up some kind of a plan. So all of it right now is just speculation and uh, planning for contingencies and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, wow. That's, and so the, uh, that, that third-party um, virtual program that you talked about, so that's not affiliated with the district at all. That's just like a, a third-party online, like that's a company. That's what they do is online delivery of education.
0: That's exactly right. Right. Yeah, so that's that's the problem. You know, if, if if enough kids go and do that, it's basically a homeschool situation. You know, you're, you're leaving our school to do homeschool, and so you're not counted on our numbers, and, and that leads to, you know, that kind of problem. So uh, if, if we get a, an influx of kids again next year that were on that program, not only are they going to be in a different place than where the rest of the kids are, um, we're going to have, you know, if we lose teacher units because of it, now, you know, our, our class sizes are going to go way up, and. That leads to a whole host of problems as well. So, you know, there's a lot of considerations for those disappeared decisions. That,
1: that could lead to a, a staffing need next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's it's it's a lot of things to consider, a lot of things up in the air right now. But uh, you know, one thing's for sure, we's a play in football, y'all. The <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Athletic Association came out today yeah. and said we's a play in football. Uh well, so you know, it's they, the south. So of course. Oh we are. yeah, sure. Sure. Um, there's going to be a lot of guidelines as to who can attend the games. Um, we know right now there are a bunch of districts in, in, uh, the state that are not going to allow opposing bands to come. Um, yep. we're pretty sure that our district is going to hand that down too, uh, just to keep the traffic down. Um, there's even a question right now, if the bands are going to be allowed to go on the field cause they're worried about cross contamination. Oh wow. Um, yeah, uh, I do know that uh, Auburn's band is not going to march a show this year. Um, and, you know, you, you think that sounds weird, but I had some explain it to me this way. Um, you've got the football players down there on the field, on the sideline. They're, you know, drinking water, spitting it out. They're sweating. They're bleeding, all that stuff. And that's all over the grass. And you got the, the band that comes down, stepping all over that. They're emptying their water keys out of their instruments, cross-contaminating their... And then the football team comes back out. And they're walking all over the, you know, so it's they just want to keep as many, uh, as much separation between everybody as they possibly can. So, uh, you know. Yeah,
1: in, in every football game I've ever been to, um, you know, long about the the two to five minute mark in the second quarter, the band starts. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, gathering together, bunching up right there in the end zone <laughs> yeah. and then what happens the football team goes running right past them in a big group uh-huh. yeah and and then you have the, the, the opposing so you know the visiting band doing the same thing and so now they're transitioning so even then you've got just a massive humanity mm-hmm. uh, all over and with a, a football team is, is one thing because you've only got 11 guys from each side on the field at once but a, the marching band, Especially at the college level, you've got over a hundred, easy.
0: Oh yeah, look at you're looking at uh, three hundred range. Yeah. For for most large schools.
1: Any any word on, um, you know, with the football going on, are we going to have marching bands, um, along with that, or is that? Still well, up in the
0: air. Uh, that's still up in the air. I mean, right now, we, we started uh, our auxiliary camp this week. So the girls are out there learning their routines and all that stuff. Uh, we also had the Hornline Drumline drum line coming in a few times this week. Um, so we've already started. Um, uh, so it's it. there's a very good chance. You know, we've got rehearsals for four weeks um, and leading up to our, our main camp where they, they learn the, the field show and everything. Yeah. Um, So it it may come down to it where the first part of August we've been rehearsing for, you know, two weeks and they tell us, okay, well, you're not going to be able to go on the field. And all the money we've paid choreographers and the equipment that we've bought and the uniforms the girls have bought and, you know, all that stuff is like, oh, well, you know, have fun with that. Um, We do already know that uh, we're only going to play at home games. Um, So the season basically is cut in half, you know, so we'll have five games instead of ten. Uh, and then it remains to be seen about uh, playoffs
1: so we're still gonna have the full football season it's just the bands are only going to be there for the home game so yeah when when your school is away they'll only have the one band from that school so there'll only be one band per yeah game
0: yeah and that that's determined by each district that's not a state mandate um, okay. a, a lot so that's of just our district yeah um, okay a lot of A lot of districts are doing it um but i know of of some that are allowing their band to travel wherever they want to um and it's just a matter of whether the uh the opposing team is going to allow the band in i know our our high school principal has said no he's not going to allow the opposing bands in so it's just kind of up to them
1: yeah that makes sense from from their perspective as administrators you've got to take that extra step for you know additional precautions cuz i mean bottom line these are kids and statistics being what they are even if there's a small chance you want to mitigate that as much as possible
0: absolutely yeah our uh, <laughs> our high school principal you know I'm the, I'm the middle school guy but our high school principal we were in his office today and he said yeah there's not a, a principal in the in the state next year that's going to have a job because we're going to we're so responsible for everybody's health and safety and then the the uh, athletic association is saying, well, Hey, good luck with that. Cause we're going to have football. We're going to have basketball. We're going to, you know, we're going to do all this stuff. Um, and so, you know, you know, there's going to yeah. be issues that come out of it. Uh, and I'm sure our county's loggers are already on the stick, trying to figure out whatever loopholes or whatever, you know, where, where <laughs> yeah. they stand and trying to get ahead of the wave of lawsuits that are going to come in because, you know, my kid went to a football game and got COVID.
1: Yeah, well I mean if they're going to school at home, you know there's there's minimal impact at least you can you can still re- stay at home and recover yeah without having to, to worry about missing school <laughs> as it were yeah but uh, g- going back to the, the virtual program you said um, that, that those won't count towards the role so they're effectively choosing a homeschool option for at least a semester maybe maybe longer yeah um, and and so those kids would come back to the system not being in the same place necessarily for for the good or the bad, right? They could be behind, they could be ahead. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, That's the nature of homeschool. As as an educator and as a parent, do you think that's a a good thing to have an increased uh, homeschool attendance or at least that option being made more available? uh, Or is it more of a detriment to what you're trying to do as an educator there in the school?
0: Uh, you know, I've got no problem with homeschool. Um, you know, I, I encourage people if, if they can do it and if they want to do it, then it's a, it's a great thing for them to do. I think kids learn a lot from those homeschool situations. I've seen it come out very work very well um, for, for a lot of kids. Um, I think from the, the standpoint of being a public school teacher, it's going to put us in a bit of a bind if those kids come back. Um, if they, if they leave and they decide, Hey, this is what I want to do. And, and, you know, I'm going to go and, and do homeschool for the rest of my education. You know, that's, that's fine. Um, and I, and I think that's a good option if you can do it. But, uh, if you do it for a little while and then come back and, and you've put us in a bind because, you know, we, we now need an extra science teacher and can't get one because we're in the middle of the year or, you know, whatever it may be that that becomes an issue um so I, got, I have no problem with homeschooling um if that's if that's your bag and that's what you want to do and uh if you're able to do it go for it you know because you can a lot of the kids get a lot of good life experiences from that homeschool experience um it's just not not a lot of people can do it
1: yeah i, I mean we're we're a family that would love to do it but just you know aren't able to so i saw that option yeah. and i'm thinking huh that'd be except the school that she goes to you know being the international baccalaureate school yeah as a parent i'm thinking well the reason we have her there is because that's a extra special you know <laughs> diploma yeah. degree puts her in yeah the, are we damaging that opportunity if uh-huh. we go this this third party route so i, I think we're looking more towards just the virtual option. Yeah. Or, I mean, remote, I think is, is what's yeah, remote. For us. Yeah. Yeah. Virtual is the third part. It's oh, so many different <laughs> new
0: terms. Yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah. I'm, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm, I'm, uh, not uh, a fan of the government schools at the same time. I'm sending my daughter to <laughs> government schools, yeah. so, uh, yeah. a government school. So, hypocrite in person here. And I get it. Um, but, um, you know, when, when it comes to like educational philosophy, I find it interesting to, to hear from, from other folks. One of the things I've wanted to do uh, long term uh, in my career is maybe once I retire from my current profession, go into teaching, you know, get into something like uh, middle school math or science. But one of the roadblocks that I've had is, you know, the additional schooling, the additional certification that you have to go through, uh, even though... I mean, I'm basically a teacher now just in the private sector. Yeah. And when you talk about how there may be a shortage of teachers next year, part of my mind went immediately to, well, I could step in and do that. I could, but the likelihood that I would at this point <laughs> because of how life has gone is different. So, I mean, it's just thinking about how um, from an, from a cultural standpoint, society standpoint, how we view education because it seems like so much uh, attention is, um, you know, what what works for the parents, right? And a lot of reason kids don't homeschool is because it doesn't work in the parents' um, schedule or, and, and the reason that is because the, they've got a two-income household, so both of the parents are out the majority mm-hmm. of the day. So for a lot of, uh, I won't say most of, because I don't know the numbers, but for a lot of uh, students uh, it's not just education it's in some ways a daycare because you're as parents you're working to provide for your family you need somebody to keep an eye on your kid because with their middle school age or younger especially mm-hmm. you leave them at home all day they're getting in trouble yeah yeah <laughs> so and somehow that's, or another
0: that's one of the big arguments right now of why we need to go back to school uh, you know you'd look at yeah. all the all the arguments as to you know which way we need to go whether we stay virtual or if we go back to school or all those things and the main argument is parents have to go back to work and that's you know it's not about oh my kids are going to fall behind or my kids can it is i need to go back to work and so somebody's got to watch my kids and that's a very real concern you know yeah. if you're probably you know you're pretty far removed from from daycare i don't know if you ever had to send <laughs> naomi to daycare but uh, we did, my daughter, and and you're looking at, at quite a chunk of change per month. Yeah. I mean, when she started kindergarten, I got a raise, you know. Um, so it's, for a lot of people, it's just not feasible to send their child to a daycare all day long and then go to work because they don't make enough money per day to cover the child care, so they just don't work. And so that's, you know, that's one of the main arguments that I've been seeing from from people about, why kids need to go back to school it has nothing to do with their education. It's because yeah. they want us to watch Baybased kids until they get home
1: <laughs> Bebe's kids Wow that took me back about
0: thirty years, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just thinking about like what factors go into having that mindset for education and then you know, folding in uh, in in many ways um, the failure of government school public public education rather um to prepare kids you know we we hear all about graduating uh seniors who don't read at a high school level or Mm -hmm. you know can't do math at at, you know that are substandard in all these areas i mean from from your perspective as somebody who's been in this field for a while what does it take to get where we are and what is it going to take to refocus on the kids for their education and for their benefit and take the focus off of us as parents and, and our selfishness.
0: <laughs> you just tossed a grenade and walked away, didn't you? <laughs> That's right. You know what I do. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, to, to begin with, I think the prevailing philosophy in the in the public as far as what education is supposed to be is I send my kid to school, they're educated, and then they come home. And that's, that's not what this was supposed to be. Um, this is, education is supposed to be a partnership between the parents and the school to educate the child. It is the parents' responsibility to make sure the child's educated. We as teachers are a resource to help make that happen. Okay? Um, and, and, and like a ton of other things in our society, we have pushed off education onto the government saying, here, you handle this while I go do what I got to do. And, and instead of taking personal responsibility for what my kid is learning, I'm hoping somebody else will do it for me. And, and you know, I see evidence, that, evidence of that all the time where a kid is having an issue and we call home saying, you know, hey, your, your child's having an issue with this concept in math. And they're like, well, what do you want me to do about it? You know, it's like, well, you know, you go over it with them, maybe. Encourage them a little <laughs> bit. You know, if you don't understand be it. Be a parent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that happens a lot with behavior, too. You know, oh, your, yeah. your child's acting out in class, we call you. Well, what do you want me to do about it? Well, I'll talk to them. You know, it's like it, there, there's got to be some parenting that's going on. And it and it, it, they a lot of parents, and well, I'm not dissing every parent by any means, But there are a lot of parents out there that do treat the schools just as a place to put their kids during the day while they're at work. Uh, and, And they don't see, you know, you have a responsibility when that kid comes home. You need to talk to them about what they learned that day, check with how they're doing, see if they've got any homework. You know, we have parents all the time getting mad at teachers because their child's not performing well. And a lot of it is because they're not doing homework or they didn't study for a test. Yep. It's not our responsibility to make them do their homework. It's not our responsibility to make them do, study for a test. That's the parent's responsibility, yep. you know. And the, the kids that I see are, that are the most successful are the ones who have parents who are involved. Now, they may not be on like the PTA or PTSO or whatever, but they, they talk to their kid about what they're learning they're, they're concerned with, hey, when's your next test? You know, they take the kid under their wing like they're supposed to and teach them how to study, teach them how to organize, you know, teach them how to handle those kind of situations in class. You know, all those things. Uh, those are the kids that are having success. And the the ones that are struggling are the ones where we have to parent them because there's none of that going on at the house. Um, so that that's issue number one that we have is, is they push off the responsibility of, of education onto the government instead of taking care of it themselves. Um, we're we, we going to solve all the world's ills today in, in education here.
1: Yeah. But I hope by the end we have a vaccine for COVID. So your, your job is much easier anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, and then, uh, okay. So my, my second complaint of, of why things are jacked up in the public education system, um, is we have, uh, the, the, the fact that a federal department of education exists. Oh. There's a problem. Yes. Right there. Um, education, the, the fact that we have national standards is ridiculous. Mm. Uh, because education is not about... <sighs> you have to make education relevant to the kid and relevant to where that child is. Okay. Um, what did a poverty study several years ago, uh, mm-hmm. a book study with poverty, and uh, they were comparing the ideas of what it means to be educated among the different classes. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you have a high-income family, um, that child, to be educated, would need to know how to invest his money well, uh, would n- need to know how to uh, you know, do business deals on the golf course. Uh, you know, those, those kind of things that, that you would expect to, uh, you know, they're supposed to have uh, a specific set of manners when they go to a business lunch. Right. You know, they need to know those kind of things. And so if you give a blanket test to all the people who are in this one particular school, you have high income, you got middle income, you got low income, well, the high income kids are going to do better on that test than the low income kids. Because those kind of things are irrelevant to those lower-income kids. Okay, if you switch that around, um, and you give those three groups a test on uh, where to find food, you know which dumpsters have the best food in them, uh, how to stay warm on a on a cold night when you don't have a house, um, you know the lower-income kids are going to come out better on that test than the higher-income kids are, and so if you label success on that particular test as a kid being smart, well, now you got your low incomes are smarter than the higher income kids because they know that material, yeah. okay? So if you're trying to teach a kid something that's completely irrelevant to them, they're not going to learn it. You know, think about all the things that somebody's tried to tell you that you had no use for whatsoever. You don't remember it because it's not relevant to you.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, I, I, I that, that just... Uh, I just described about 75% of a faculty meeting I've ever been to. You know, being being the band director, I've sat through so many different faculty meetings. I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. And if you gave me a a quiz at the end of that, I couldn't have told you a single thing that we talked about, you know, because I'm not going to fill my tiny little brain with all this information that I don't need. So, you know, education cannot be standardized across the entire country because what you need to know to be successful in Alabama is not what you need to know to be successful in Oregon. Okay, it's not the same thing. We, you know, there are certain obviously there are certain crossovers, but there are certain things culturally that you need to know here that don't apply in Virginia, you know. So it, it, trying to say everybody's got to rise to this particular standard that you know it, it's it, it's a ridiculous idea. Um, there's a A cartoon in one of our faculty uh a little coffee areas whatever you want to call it lounge i don't know what they call it that's where the restrooms are anyway (laughs) where the where the good ones are where you actually want to go yeah uh and it's 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 a cartoon where they this this teacher has four different animals lined up there's a fish in a bowl there's a monkey there's a turtle and there's an elephant and they said okay for today's standardized test Climb that tree and get that banana. Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> that's what we do with standardized testing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think one of the first things that we need to do is is get rid of this whole national standardized test and, and leave it up to the states as to what they want to have as their standards. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous thing to try to make people in Louisiana learn the same thing as, as people in Michigan. They don't need to know the same stuff
1: not only the same stuff, but also the same ways, because once you start dictating curriculum, you also have curriculum delivery and Uh standards of how that, uh, information is conveyed. And, you know, people in New York don't need to be told to, to teach the same things or learn in the same ways as people in Utah or Wyoming, Mm -hmm. completely different groups. And even like in Alabama where we are, um, Jefferson County is a is a bit different than you know DeKalb County, yeah, or or, or even Coleman County, yeah. right? I mean, e- even at the county level, I mean, the, the it gets more homogenous as you get closer to a community, which is why that seems to be where the leadership is most effective, or, or rather, most useful when it's effective. Yeah. But at the state level and even at the federal level, we really is just wasting money on. Uh, departments at that point. We could save money by not funding, you know, Betsy DeVos and the (laughs) Department of Education. Yeah. Instead of sending the money up and having it come back and, you know, go, hey, where'd it go along the way? There's there's (laughs) not
0: not as much here.
1: Yeah. Just keep it. And then it seems to me that you'd be able to provide more opportunity for your students. Yeah. If the, the, you know, the whole tax bracket thing stayed the same, not to mention if, you know, the, the tax... Burden was lowered such that maybe you don't have as many uh, two parents or uh, two parent households working, and one of them can stay home and homeschool, or or at the very least they don't have to work such that they're not involved in their kids' education yeah. to the degree that you're talking about. Because you know one of the things even while uh, my wife and I were uh, both working early in uh, our daughter's schooling, um, we were like you said. We were involved. We weren't just, you know, dumping her off and bringing her home mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, giving her food and sending her to bed. Yeah. Said, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, what'd you learn today? What'd you do? And, you know, I learned just by talking with her as she progressed. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we're taught, even in elementary school, that, has no bearing on our adult
0: lives. No, none <laughs> whatsoever. That none. Uh,
1: that show. Um, Are you smarter than a fifth grader? There's a reason why so many people lose that because <laughs> yeah. the information is just not relevant, uh-huh. like you said. And it's it's so funny that we, we find ourselves in that position, and yet at the same time, we continue to do it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, we're surprised when our kids not doing well, but who's paying attention? Like now, You want to start paying attention now that your kid's doing poorly or now that yeah. your kid has behavioral problems. Uh-huh. You didn't notice this before? Yeah. What happened?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, hey, man, I could tell you stories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, hey. Not on the mic, though, right? No, not on the mic, no. no. It's, you know, stories where you're just like, okay, you're coming up here screaming and yelling when you just haven't been paying attention at all you have been returning phone calls it's it's the day before a report card come out you're now asking for why your kids not you know yeah yeah stuff like that you know if if and and it doesn't take long if you're a parent it doesn't take long to to 15 20 minutes talk to your kid hey show me what you did in math today hey show me what you did in science what did you learn from from english what are you all working on what book you all reading you know and yeah. that also shows the kid that education is important because it's something that you're asking them about, it's something you're curious about. And if they think that it's something that's important to you, it'll eventually be important yeah. to them.
1: That's that's the hope.
0: And, and and that's a big and that's a big cultural problem right there too. Is there's a whole sector of people that just don't think education is important and part of it probably comes from the fact that their education was irrelevant to them. And they and they yeah. learned what they needed to learn on the street, not in the school, and so, you know, why should I worry about what they're teaching in school? You know, but yeah. and then and so it, all, everything has to be relevant. And so if we if we relegate the standards to the states and the states give the districts some uh, some freedom in, in designing their own programs and their own their own uh, curricula, that would that would do communities a lot better. Yeah. Would do them a lot better. Um, you know, with the the current status that we have right now we're training every kid to go to college when we know yeah when we know the vast majority of them are not going there but that's what we're doing uh every high school is a college preparatory school and that's a ridiculous thought and now we find ourselves in in the situation here in alabama where we don't have enough trade workers we don't have enough plumbers and electricians and welders and steam fitters and pipe fitters and you know all that stuff Uh, because we've told every kid that you're not worth anything if you don't go to college or if you're not trained to go to college, you know, and, and those kids who are getting out of, of high school and going into a trade, they're making money. You know, I don't know if you've ever had to have your HVAC worked on, but those guys are making money doing that. And, and there's a shortage of that in Alabama, which is why they can charge whatever they want to charge. Um, and and if we would take a lesson from some other countries and actually make our education relevant to kids getting out in the world and being productive instead of, you know, sending them to, to college to you know, get a, a bachelor's degree in nothing relevant and come out with all kinds of debt and not have any job skills to show for it there either, yep. you know, we would be much better off.
1: Well said. So let's – since we we covered the federal angle and we're kind of narrowing the focus uh, down, where are you on uh, school choice? Like, for example, if you're in um, – if you live within the city limits of Birmingham, mm-hmm. you're zoned for a particular school in, in the Birmingham city school system. Yeah. But as that – either that individual school goes down or the school system itself, which – you know, let's be honest. Is not one of the best <laughs> yeah. in, in yeah. the state um, for for parents who are in that situation. That they, they only have one option, right? So, what would it look like, or, or how much more beneficial would it be for that parent to be able to have the choice to send their kid to a different district or a different, you know, a charter school or you know, something like that? As a public school teacher, where where are you on that? that type of idea
0: uh you know i've gone back and forth with it because i see a lot of different angles for it um if i were a parent in that situation and cared enough about my child's education to want to send them to another one i i I would want the freedom to be able to do that um and with with that I, i i believe that the money follows the student um so when, when that student's taken out of zone and they go to another school, then the school that they're going to receives the money that they would have been getting. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure if that's state money or if that's local money or how that works. So if, it, if it's the state money that's moving from one to the other, then you know, I see no problem with that. If it's local money, if it's money of taxes collected inside that district, that's taken and given to another school in another district that's a problem because that that's monies that have been raised for that school by that area okay so like just for saying in in our instance you've got somebody in in the birmingham system that's funded by the birmingham city okay and they decide they want to go to homewood right. okay which is not a far stretch at all if you know the area right um so they go to homewood well if you're taking taxes that were raised for that school in birmingham and now you're taking that tax money and going to homewood with it you know you've taken that tax money away from those people who have uh who have raised it for that school right so there becomes an ethical issue with that part of it now if it's state money then it can go anywhere in the state it's not a big deal it, it doesn't matter um so there you know there's there's that aspect. even of it.
1: then you've got some, some concern with that because it is well, the situation that you described, for example, Birmingham being a much larger city than Homewood. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, to take that example, the state decides, well, since more, more parents are wanting to send their kids to a homewood school, then per student we're going to give Homewood more more funding or, or per population rather we're going to give Homewood more because they're getting more students rather than going, going to Birmingham. Functionally, you have the same type of thing going on. You have taxes raised for education, but now the state has come in mm-hmm. and said, well, no, we're going to take this slice from Birmingham and slide it South a little bit. Yeah. So what, w- what makes it better when the state does it as opposed to uh, a different system?
0: Well, and in, in effect, the state can, can take their money and, and put it in whatever system they want to put it into. Um, and, and how they allot that varies in, in, with you know several different criteria there um, but the what I the reason I think it's different is because the the locality the, the the city that that school is in that's that was taken from those people for that particular school the state taxes as they're given are just given to education in general I mean that money can go anywhere in the state. Um, for instance, if I if I use my local band funds to buy a piece of equipment, then that piece of equipment has to stay at that school. If I use my state funds to buy something, that if I leave that school, that goes with me. I okay. take that equipment and it travels with me because it was money allotted to me by the state, not by the, the local district.
1: Provided you are still in a uh, district within the state. Well, yeah, as long as if I'm leave and go to Georgia. <laughs> it's gonna stay. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but that makes sense because you know at that level, like you said, it's it's going to education in general. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the state has that discretion. Um, so as long as it stays for that purpose, they can they can dole it out however they want to. Exactly. Which kind of shows when you take it a step further and you have the federal government getting involved. Now they're the ones saying, "Well, Alabama, we're going to give you so much uh-huh. uh, money for education. Oregon, we're going to give you so much. Exactly. Money. So you have that same kind of problem, just magnified mm-hmm. on a bigger level." Yep. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that, um, as as far as um, school funding goes. Um, but yeah, I, I personally I like the idea of a choice because in, in T- tell me if I'm wrong in thinking this, because one, one of the objections that I hear is, so you, you'll you take students, uh, you know, the, the best and the brightest from the worst school districts. And, you know, locally, we'll, we'll look at, you know, Jefferson County schools, we'll look at Birmingham City schools. Uh, in particular, I, I have personal experience both going to those schools <laughs> and sending my daughter uh, to those schools. But when you have parents from those uh, districts sending their kids to trustful or homewood or mountain brook or bestavia mm-hmm. now you're taking the best students away and now what's left in birmingham and jefferson county is those bay kids uh-huh. right yeah the, the, the ones that that are glorified uh babysitters um but it seems to me that in that situation that helps magnify the need and so non-governmental organizations or even the the maybe even the teachers' unions, which is kind of a quasi uh, government organization, can uh, allocate resources uh, to better those areas. Or the communities themselves, like you say, can, you know, Birmingham can you know put in a specific tax to to draw um, attention to that need and, and to to help that need if they so desire. And if not, if nothing else, those kids who um have their parents care more about their education, are more involved in their education. They're not stuck in an underperforming school or an underperforming district and have the opportunity to be, to m- do better of themselves. Like is, is there a flaw in that thinking or is is that
0: No, you know, does I, that make sense? You no, know, I, I think you're you're right along the lines of of why that that school choice does make sense. Um, and, and taking, you know, taking the, the, the top, taking the best and brightest away does have some effects, um, especially in the way that schools are rated, I guess you could say, because we talk about failing yeah. schools. We, we right. get that because of standardized testing, um, and they're, they're what we call yeah. adequate yearly progress, right, AYP. And, and all teachers wait on pins and needles at the end of the year to find out if we made AYP or not, you know. And the, the system there is flawed in itself um, because you're expected to make certain gains in your, uh, per year. So right. um, if you're a high-functioning school, if you're, if, if you're, you know, if you're a very successful school and you have a lot of kids that are very successful the chances of you becoming a failing school are very high because you're not making that, that high, you know, that, that adequate yearly progress. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're already at 98% passing and you're supposed to improve by 3% every year.
1: Math don't add up. (laughs) Yeah. it doesn't work
0: that way. And, and there are several schools that, that had that situation where, you know, they're supposed to make a certain score the next year and it was impossible for them to do and so they didn't make ayp the next year and if and if you don't make ayp for two years you're labeled as a failing school yeah. so you know there's there's a flaw in that system and, and i believe that they're working on that right now they're kind of changing the criteria i know they've changed some of the testing that we do um to try to help out with that so hopefully that will that will get fixed um it was definitely not thought up by a mathematician by any means yeah um, but yeah, if you if you if you take those those higher kids and you move them out, and like you said, you're left with the the lower achieving kids. Um, you are going to have effect on those on that school's rating uh, because they don't have those higher kids, the higher achieving kids to bring their scores up. But at the same time, in the classroom, you have a much more homogenous group at that point, point. and. When you have a homogenous group, it's a lot easier to teach. You got more kids on the same level; they're going to need the same kind of help and the same kind of supports, uh, and that that makes for much easier teaching. So, those kids are going to be able to go at the rate that they need to go, um, instead of the teacher having to deal with. Okay, I've got these four kids over here that are a week and a half, two weeks ahead of everybody else, so I got to give them enrichment. I got this five or six kids over here that are two to three weeks behind everybody so i got to give them you know uh, uh, extra resources to try to catch them up and then you got that group in the middle that that's you know getting bored because they're (laughs) yeah you know uh, because
1: you've got your bell curve and you've got your
0: extremes and then a lot in the middle exactly and so that it's that lot in the middle so you take that the top end of that bell curve out and now you've got a much more homogenous group that's much easier to work with so that might actually improve the performance of those students in those classes. Um, and if you've got kids who are, who are leaving there, you've got smaller class sizes. Um, you know, depending on, of course, if the the school doesn't lose teacher units because of the decreased population. So, you know, there's that, it can be very, it it, theoretically, it could be very good. We have not seen anything happening with that yet. Um, I don't think that's been taken advantage of by a lot of people, so time will tell yeah. what happens with that.
1: I just I think it's interesting having the the, the bell curve uh, illustration, and you're talking about you know making it more homogeneous. We're flattening the curve. Yes, we are By doing that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, I, I think we're we're coming up on the end. But one one other thing that I think. Um, that deserves some some attention. And I think you would have a unique um, insight into this, but I think it's something that um, deserves consideration from both of us, as well as uh, parents and Christians with potential, especially with a potential um, shortfall of teachers a year from now. What opportunity do you see for churches to set up, um, for lack of a better way to say it, supplemental schools. So we, if you have um, a school that can't staff its uh, student population, have a local church go to its members. And so like we go to the same church. I'm in education in a private sector. You're in education in the public sector. Say, so, hey, can we work out uh, some way for you to Uh, contribute to educating these kids and do kind of almost like a like a homeschool co-op or kind of you know maybe a temporary charter type school what opportunity do you think exists there for uh, christians uh, and churches in the community and is that feasible do you think is that reasonable to look at
0: i you know i mean i think that's good thinking um, it takes a long time to get something like that set up, um, simply because of all the certifications you have to go through and, 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 and that kind of thing. So, um, as far as that being an emergency measure, I, I don't think that would, would really work. Um, I think what would work would be, you know, if the church gets involved in kind of a tutoring program, um, okay. cause you, you, the problem you're going to have is overcrowding in the classroom. And a lot of kids are going to fall through the cracks. And so I think if we had some kind of tutoring program at a, at a school, um, a mentoring program, something like that, that would be an, an emergency stopgap to help those kids not, uh, not get too far behind and, and, until things can catch up. Uh, but, yeah, I think that any, any service that the school can provide there or that the church can provide to the school, um, I think would be a, a great ministry opportunity to jump in there. Uh, but yeah, setting up a setting up a a parochial school or even a uh, you know something as an emergent like that it's it's a lot more involved than you know hey uh, you know I'd, I'd like to help teach kids you know yeah because um, to be it
1: well it's not like churches are using their sanctuary for services these
0: days yeah I know hey we, <laughs> <laughs>
1: no it's just that that's something that just kind of came to me as we were talking I was just wondering how as Christians we can get out there and, and help uniquely from our perspective. And it, I think you raise a really good point that probably the the, the most practical would be in, in a uh, tutor uh, type role, mm-hmm. which that, that does make some sense. But also you, you said something that that kind of ties back into what we were talking about. So I said one more question, but I got another one. Um <laughs> Uh, And, you know, I'm just kind of thinking out loud as we go here, but talking about how um, increased school choice would lead to failing schools and and that standard that's used to to measure schools is probably not the best because that's based on, you know, the federal standardized test and all that kind of stuff. But then when we're talking about uh, setting up schools uh, with uh, churches, uh, you mentioned certifications, so at, at each level, how do you think um, those institutional um, I don't want to say barriers, but for, for some of us who have thought about doing this kind of thing and can't because we don't have a certification or you know whatever, um, what changes do you see might be coming as far as maybe amending some of those certification requirements in case of staffing? Needs or changing how we look at an educational system relating to you know federal standards.
0: Uh, they've already started loosening a lot of the uh, requirements for being able to teach, especially in Alabama, because you know we have that famous uh, teacher shortage that we've been going through for about a decade now. Um, just a decade. <laughs> yeah, just a decade. You know, we can't we can't figure out. We I mean we. We have low pay and, and we don't support our teachers and all that stuff. Can't figure out why anybody doesn't want to stay in the profession. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they've, especially with, uh, you know, stuff like what, what you might be able to do with, with uh, business, um, our business career tech programs, you don't have to be a certified teacher. Um, you can be hired on, uh, you know, as, as an hourly worker. Um, there, there are some things like, uh, I know they've, they've recently done like choir teachers can be hired on an hourly um, and for schools that don't know couldn't support a full choir program um, they can be hired on hourly um, so there's a lot of positions within a school um, that a a person without any kind of teaching credentials can actually jump in um, uh, a paraprofessional they they work a lot with uh, self-contained students uh, in the special ed programs um, you know those are not certified teachers those are just people who want to be around kids and 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 and, you know want to invest in those kids lives so there's a lot of opportunity for people who are not professional teachers to get involved in the school system um i don't see you know math science english uh history opening up to non-certified teachers anytime soon um the 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 big four i think are going to stay to to people with you know education degrees and all that um
1: i could teach math i could walk in right now and teach a middle school math or science class
0: oh i'm sure you probably could
1: (laughs) (laughs) probably not history or english though i was i was never really good at those i'd I'd have to actually read the textbook (laughs)
0: yeah yeah hey as long as you stay a day or two ahead of the kids you're all right
1: yeah you know interesting you say that I, i hear um a lot of um objections and concerns from parents who are looking at getting into homeschool. And one of the things that I see as a response from homeschooling groups is look, as long as you stay, you know, day or two ahead, a week or two ahead, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you don't need to plan out the whole semester, uh, lesson plan. Um, but you know what checkpoints you need to hit along the way. Yeah. So if you hit a couple of those earlier than expected, and it takes a little longer for others, it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. as long as you're moving through the curriculum and you're, you're in a position to, to teach. But I think that's that's, that's a – oh, go ahead.
0: Well, that's, that's how professional teachers do it anyway. I mean, I, I, you know, the way I set my <laughs> stuff up is, is I've got goals for every nine weeks, and, and they kind of use those as my checkpoints to say, okay, these kids got to be able to do this by, you know, this particular date, and it just fluctuates inside there course the principal wants you know week by week here's what you're doing every single day and your lesson plans i'm like okay well, i'll give you a roundabout what we're doing but uh it all depends on the kids you, get, you can't go any faster than the kids can learn so you've got to yeah. take you know you've got to let them set the pace you got to push them a little bit because they'll get lazy on you but you got to you know you got to let them set the pace and have those markers it's the same with homeschool you know same idea you know what you You know what you've got to get taught. You know when it needs to be done. So you just kind of let the kid go at their pace. And usually with homeschool, it's a faster pace anyway than a regular classroom.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the the student-teacher, the students-to-teacher ratio is uh, much better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You've got one teacher and max, you know, three, four students. (laughs) Exactly. At any given time. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. You know, it's it's... It's not all that different in um, adult education either because I'll teach a, a course that's four weeks uh, to, you know, prepare people for a particular uh, job role. And, you know, we've got an agenda that's daily, but I'm constantly shifting stuff around and saying, all right, we couldn't get to this today, so we're going to get to it tomorrow. Yep. And, uh, you know, that, the same kind of thing that there's going to be this hesitancy to move forward and you got to tell them, Look at a certain point, I'm not here anymore. Yeah. You've got a job to do, so you got to be able to do it. And yeah. uh, even as a teacher, I'm, I'm sure you've run into this too: those students who just want to ask questions just to kill time until it's in the end uh-huh. of class. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> Yeah,
1: So, so you got to reel those in uh-huh. when you start getting those random questions out. And there's so much that's that's similar that. Um, I don't know. The more I think about it, the, the more I wonder if uh, I don't know, m- might uh, look into some of those options that you've talked about. But I think it's uh, <laughs> good to kind of uh, put some ideas out there for ways uh, people can help, for ways we can help. Because and I think if nothing else, our students need help if, if we weren't going through COVID-19. Mm hmm. Our students need help, and the fact that we're going through this change, the fact that our teachers are under so much stress um, and pressure and uncertainty, um, there's all the more opportunity. So, in in that sense, it's kind of highlighted the need. So, if there's anything that parents can do, if there's anything that fellow Christians can do, if there's anything that we as citizens of our community can do uh, to help our kids, to help our teachers, to help parents get by i think it's uh it should be at least considered
0: yeah here here no arguments here
1: well uh that's that's all i got you got any, any any parting thoughts any final final words for us
0: yeah your hair's coming out pretty well man you gotten past that ugly stage so
1: really i don't know i still got the mullet thing happening
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's long enough in the front. I don't think it classifies as a mullet anymore.
1: Yeah, as soon as I can fold it behind my ears. I'm there good.
0: you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I I had a a quarantine mullet about a month ago. That was that was pretty solid. Oh,
1: I would pay money to see you with a quarantine mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, if I saw you with any more hair than you have uh, on your head, and then a shaved face. I don't know that I'd recognize you.
0: Yeah, you probably wouldn't. No, like I, If you
1: had the mullet and then just, you know, shave the beard off.
0: Yeah. I'd, yeah.
1: I'd introduce myself to you. You're like, hey, I'm Wes. And I said, oh, what? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I, there was the last time that I had, the last time I saw my chin was in college, maybe my third year of college. And, uh, and I shaved and immediately started bro- growing it back. Immediately. My chin was so cold. I mean, it was the middle of summer. My chin was freezing.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I get that. Um, when, for those of uh, th- those of our listeners who don't know, I grow my hair out and then cut it off and donate it and go to a buzz cut. I have a similar experience because when the wind blows right after that first cut, <laughs> like, ooh, What in the world? I just feel it all over my head. And uh, th- there's been some times when. Uh, I'll get that cut and my dog doesn't recognize me. And she starts barking her head off. <laughs> hey, who are you? Well, good deal. That was, that was a fun show. Fun, fun conversation. Um, I, I appreciate your willingness to discuss a, a difficult topic being that you are, uh, not an outside observer. Like, like I am, <laughs> I can, uh, I can call out school districts, and and your diplomacy is admirable, sir. <laughs> well, so.
0: I, I appreciate you not asking me any questions <laughs> I can't legally answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I start off. What can you tell us? Not much. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me yeah. speculate, and yeah. then you can dance.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you think I work for the CIA or something, man? That's a, I just teach band at a middle school, and I gotta watch what I say on, everywhere. It's ridiculous.
1: Government employee is a government employee. Uh, as far yeah, as I'm yeah,
0: I just don't have the cool tools.
1: You're not smart enough to be in the CIA. Is that what you're saying?
0: Uh, well, I can't kill people either. Well, I
1: mean, you could. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not part of your job description. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> There's no double O in front of my name.
1: Double OK. No, that
0: doesn't. <laughs> what, what I is, mean, double O seven's taken. <laughs> what, is, what is double OK? Is that really mediocre? Is that.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. I think we we have uh, stayed up past our bedtime. A couple old guys like (laughs) us to get (laughs) go.
0: That's truth.
1: Give the fam a hug for me. Uh, Good to have you back, Casey. Hope to see you again next week. Uh, Hope Alex can rejoin us, Alex. If you're listening, uh, I I hope you are while you're getting your house set up. We love you and we miss you. Um, Thanks again, everybody, for listening to us. Hope this was helpful. Uh, Even if you don't live in Alabama, there's something you can do in your community uh, to help your students because we're all going through it. We're all in this together. So thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. See ya.